Hello, 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 everybody. That's right. This is QD's Talk Time, and my name is LaQuisha Blair. But of course, you can call me Q. So I hope everybody is doing fine today. You're having a wonderful day. I know I am. It is beautiful outside. It's about 60 degrees, which is much warmer than it has been. We've here in Tennessee in the U.S., we have been in the mid-40s, low-40s, high-30s, depending on the time of day, and I just have to say I cannot wait until spring is fully enthralled and we have some really nice, warm, sunny weather here. Today is one of those days where we have some really nice, warm, sunny weather. We're going to be about 60 degrees and it is beautiful outside. But that's not why I wanted to do this episode. You know, um, when I started this, I said that we were going to talk about a lot of different things. And I wanted to expand on that part of the conversation. So one of the things that I said we were going to talk about is credit and building credit. And, you know, um, I'll start out by just kind of giving you some idea of what I mean. So um, in the U.S., we have credit scores, which allows us, it's, it's, based on your credibility, your word, your uh, whether you pay your bills on time, if you have a lot of credit cards, if you have a lot of debt, like you owe a lot of people and you don't pay your bills, that kind of credit is what I'm talking about. And I know other countries have very similar uh, programs to help their citizens be able to purchase and and be able to use uh, or utilize their credit to purchase items like buying a home, um, going to a bank, getting a loan, starting a business, buying a car, um, going to college, you know, even getting a loan for college, um, this kind of thing. Um, So there's a lot that goes into it. Now, I have uh, been in the credit business um, probably about two years. Uh, I started, well, maybe, yeah, two years ago. Started about two years ago, maybe a little bit longer. Um, But I have known about what to do and what not to do to increase your credit uh, scores and credit um, viability um, to make sure that you are able to do the things that you want to do because it affects everything. I don't know about you guys, but here in the U.S., it affects everything. If you have a good credit score or a great credit score, you can pretty much write your own ticket. You can buy whatever you want. You can own whatever you want. You can get loans. You can get um, 
houses, you can get cars, the kind of items that you want. You don't have to settle for anything. You know, if you have a bad credit score, um, sometimes you have to settle for things. You can't buy the car that you want, or even if you can buy the car that you want, you end up having to pay more for it. And that's the difference between a good credit score and a bad credit score. Now, credit scores here in the U.S. range anywhere from 300 up to 850, and that's the FICO score. And a FICO score is a combination of all three credit bureaus. Now, we have more than three, but we have three major credit bureaus here. We have Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. And those scores together combined um, uh, is, is what, where your FICO score comes from, okay? So, giving you a little bit of an overview, and this is a, a, a broad overview. We're not going to get into too much detail because eventually um, I want to do a program where I have an invited guest. And I've already talked to this person um, about coming on the show and giving us some perspective of what credit score entails, uh, what, what you need a credit score for, what are some of the items that you would uh, be able to, what are some of the things that you would be able to do with having a good credit score. And this even comes down to travel, uh, believe it or not, comes down to whether or not you're able to travel if you have the funds. Um, This comes down to getting a great job, you know, anymore, even to being able to get a good job, you have to have a good credit score. It sounds crazy, but companies look at if you are responsible and they look at your credit score to determine if you're responsible. Now, there are the exception to the rules that there are some people that have just been in bad situations. Maybe you've gotten a divorce. Maybe you've had an, a car accident or something and you had a lot of hospital bills that caused you to have a bad credit score. Those are exceptions and those, you know, they can be explained away. But then there are those that just blatantly don't pay their bills and they um, have, you know, just gotten to a point where their credit score has been tanked and now they can't do anything. They can't get a really good job and it's it becomes a catch-22. Now that you're in this position with low credit scores and you have a lot of derogatory reports saying that you don't pay your bills or you pay late on your bills, that makes a big difference as well. Well, now you're in a position where the only jobs you can get pay minimum wage or just barely above. You can't find a nice house or apartment. Um, you don't, you're not able to get a, a decent car. Um, so you're in this catch-22 position. Well, these are some of the things that I want to talk about. 
And the reason I want to talk about this is because I have been going through this credit transition myself um, to work on my credit report. Now, in my case, I had a lot of factors that, um, that came into play with me not having a good credit score starting out. So one of the things that I had happened to me was I went through a I went through some um, a medical issue and I've talked to you guys about what happened to me now of course this was years ago but um, I got sick I went in the hospital I had you know major surgery and the hospital bills just kept coming and coming and coming and of course that they report that to the credit bureaus and of course that brings your credit score down. And then I went through job loss. Now that will definitely do it because of course if you don't have a job, you don't have any money, you don't have any money, you can't pay your bills. And what little bit of money that you do get, you end up paying what's necessary because those bills that have become reported to the credit bureaus, they become unnecessary for you to take care of right away. And what I mean by that is when you start looking at the bills that are necessary, the things that are necessary for you to live on a day-to-day basis, you start looking at paying your uh, utility bills to keep the lights on, your your house payment to be able to have a place to live, um, you know, buying food to put on the table, and heaven forbid, if you have children, then you have to look at making sure they have clothes and shoes, which brings up a whole other list of things that you are responsible for as a parent. You know, so it it makes it really, really hard. And so you start looking at, you know, that hospital bill is not as important as me paying rent and making sure that I have lights on and food on the table because I have children, you know, and that that was my situation. Um, the hospital bills, they, you know, the doctor's bills, they just kind of went by the wayside because at that time I was a single parent with four children to take care of and I did not have the means um, to be able to do it all. Now luckily I had a really great job and even though my job looked at um, my credit report and they looked at my credit worthiness because um, I had to deal with people's uh, finances. I had to deal with their money and I had to deal with their credit cards. And I, you know, anytime you have access to other people's personal information, such as their credit card numbers, their social security numbers, their addresses, their date of birth, those kinds of personal information, of course, you have to go through a background check to make sure that you are not, um, you know, a criminal of some kind. So luckily, of course, 
I am a very trustworthy person and they could see that. Uh, based on the types of positions that I've had in the past, uh, the fact that I've been manager of various companies, the fact that I had my own company, the fact that um, I had access to other people's information that I never used for personal gain. It was all for business. So when you start looking at you know, companies that want to hire you, they look at all of this stuff. They, if you have Facebook or Instagram or any of the media websites, they look at all of that to determine what type of person you are and what type of credit worthiness you have, not just at your credit report, because a credit report just tells how you pay your bills and if you pay your bills and if you pay them on time. But there are other things that they look at as well. What kind of information can they find on you? When they do these background checks, they look at everything because they want to know what kind of person you are and what kind of person or what kind of an employee you will be for the company. So that being said, um, although I had a very low credit score at the time, um, I was worthy uh, uh, credit-wise enough that I was trustworthy in the company's eyes, which allowed me to get a job making really great money. I mean, really great money, which also allowed me to pay down some of my debt. Um, You know, I have student loans, even still, um, even now, that but they are not past due they're on they're paid on time um and i have other items that i'm still working on to get my credit score where i want it to be now i have been actively working on my credit report um, getting my scores up for about a year now actually maybe a little bit longer than that um because uh, I have goals that I want to be able to um, complete. Now, that being said, it brought me to this realization and this, this curiosity. Do other companies, other, or excuse me, other countries have this same um, issue? So I've been doing just a little bit of research on the web, of course, Um, and I've been looking at, yes, other countries have um, different credit scoring factors very similar to what we have in the U.S., Um, As a matter of fact, I was just reading where it says Canada calculates credit scores very similar to the U.S. However, their credit scores range from 300 to 900 and ours range from 300 to 850. France system um, is a little bit different than what we might think. So 
other countries like the United Kingdom, places like that, they have uh, very similar credit credit scores as well. Um, and some are a little different. So it depends on the country. But I was just curious, wherever you're listening, how does your credit worthiness, um, how does that work when you're trying to buy a home or you're trying to buy a car? How does that work in your country where you are? Um, And what is it that you do to combat against um, having to deal with credit issues? Because here, um, you know, there are things that you can do, especially like, for instance, if you find that there is an issue on your credit report, meaning somebody has um, put something on there that is not yours. We have different things that we can do. We can dispute that particular uh, credit reporting and make them remove it. Um, You know, they investigate and they find out whether it's truly part of your um, credit history or if it belongs to somebody else or if somebody accidentally put something on there that wasn't true. Um, All these things can happen and do happen, unfortunately, quite frequently. I myself have had to have several items removed because they didn't belong to me. They were not mine. So I'm just wondering, do you guys have that where you're located? Um, I know there has to be some type of an accountability there. And in this process, as I've been going through, I wanted to find out what are some of those things that are used for accountability. Do you have a dispute process? Um, as I've been looking, it, it tells me that credit scores are not shared between countries partially because of the data protection laws. You know, every country has protection laws that that are supposed to, I'll put it that way, supposed to protect you against um, people getting your information and misusing it. Um, Even creating credit cards in your name or, you know, we have a lot of that here in the U.S. We have a lot of... uh, black market kind of, you know, black web, dark web, whatever it's called, kind of activity where people steal your information and create accounts in your name and then you find out about it and, you know, um, we have a lot of that here. So sharing, um, credit scores across countries could be extremely dangerous, especially if you are the victim of someone who has gotten a hold of your information. So it makes sense to me, but 
if you if you planned on traveling from one country to another, what would you do? So I was kind of looking at this because that's something that, you know, we plan on doing. My fiance and I, we plan on traveling between countries. And so looking at this says a couple of things that you can do. And I am getting this information off of the World Wide Web. Um, you know, I just kind of Googled the information, uh, looked it up on the internet, and I've come across some some things that I'd like to share with you. It says um, some of the things that you can do uh, to check out other countries who have different credit scores and different credit keeping balances. Um, one thing you can do, it says assessments of credit worthiness differ around the world, which we knew that, you know, that's only, that's common sense. Some countries such as the Netherlands or Spain rely on negative reports. That is credit make uh, mistakes or unpaid debt. So they look at what you didn't do. They don't so much care about what you did. You know, you could take out a $100,000 loan. They don't care about that. They only care if you didn't pay it back or if you haven't been making payments on it. If you skipped out on your rent, you didn't pay your rent and you just moved and you left. Um, that's what they look at. So um, other countries such as Canada and the United Kingdom have scoring systems that are very similar to the U.S., So when more information is used to access credit worthiness, um, many of the factors come into play, um, like paying on time and keeping your balances low, meaning if you have uh, credit cards, keeping those credit card balances low, they help build a good credit reputation. Of course, that's kind of common sense, you know. If you use your credit card, the best thing to do is just try and pay it off. Now, there are some times when I have carried a balance, but usually I don't carry it any longer than a month. Um, Usually I I try to go ahead and pay it off, Um, but I try not to, to have large balances. You know what I mean? Like, usually it's just gas. You know, I'll go to the gas station and put gas in the car. And that's what, maybe 50 bucks at the most if my car is on empty. (laughs) Um, uh, If I let it get that low, I try not to let it get that low, but sometimes it does. Um, But then I pay that off at the end of the month, you know. So I guess it depends on how you work your credit. Now, here's what I can tell you. That has helped me more than anything in increasing my credit scores. You know, when you look at what things you can do to increase your credit scores, well, one of the things that you can do, the best thing that I have found in my experience is when you, um, one thing is just to 
get a credit card. And it doesn't have to be one with a, a large limit. Just get one. It can even be one of those that um, is, is they make you pay a deposit. Um, my daughter had one of those. You pay like a $200 deposit and you use your credit card, but you put the $200 back. Like if you buy gas for $50, that decreases your credit line to $150, but then you pay that off and you have $200 back. And after a couple of months, they double your, your, um, they double your uh, credit limit without you having to put any more money on it. So that also increases your credit score. And as you make the payments on time, and this is more than just the minimum, because most of the time, a credit card has a minimum balance. It, let's say your balance is $1,000. Well, they have a minimum payment of $20 or $25. Well, if that's all you pay, then of course, you know, that's going to cause you to have more debt. But if you pay, if you get $50 worth of gas out of that thousand, and at the end of the month, you only pay $25, well, you're carrying a $25 balance and that causes you to have more debt. But if you pay that off completely, then that increases your credit score and the credit card company starts to see that you're credit worthy, so they increase your credit. Um, card balance so so then you or your credit card um, uh, availability I guess is probably the best word so then instead of having a thousand dollar credit line they'll they may increase it to 1500 or even 2000 and so as you you know make purchases if you make small purchases um, something that's uh, affordable to you, then you pay it off at the end of the month, um, then you're good, you know, because they have two different dates. I don't know if you're aware of this, but a credit card company has two different dates. They have the date that the bill is due, which is the date that you have to pay the, the balance by, and they also have the date that the new bill comes out. The trick is listen to this. This is good information. The trick is to pay the balance before the bill is even printed and before the due date. So you have a printed date and you have a due date. And let's say your printed date, they have a new bill that comes out on the 10th of every month. But your actual due date is on the 15th of every month because they send you the bill five days before the bill is due. That way you get it on time. So when you get the bill, you can say, oh, the bill is due in a couple of days. Let me go ahead and pay it. Well, the trick is to know when that billing date is so you can pay it before your billing date. So if your billing date is on the 10th, but your due date is not until the 16th, you want to pay that bill on the 7th or the 8th. I hope that makes sense. 
you want to pay it before they even print the bill up and mail it out to you is what I'm saying. So that's the perfect way to increase your credit score and to gain an increase of credit with that particular credit company. So there are lots of things that you can do, um, of course, but some of these are just, um, some of these are kind of, yeah, I knew that. And some of these are kind of, oh, wow, I didn't know that moments. And hopefully I'm giving you some, oh, wow, I didn't know that moments. (laughs) So here's how uh, credit scores work in Canada. It says, to get an idea of the credit score scoring customs um, and how they can vary abroad, let's take a look at Canada. So Canada's credit score, again, they have a very similar system to ours. Their credit score runs between 300 and 900. And of course, the higher the number, the better. Now, there are two uh, major credit reporting bureaus um, are TransUnion Canada and Equifax Canada. Uh Uh-huh, there you go. So we use TransUnion and Equifax and um, Experian here in the U.S., but they use TransUnion and Equifax Canada. Um, They have a Canadian version. And the scores are calculated by using five different factors. And they're probably very similar to what we use. Let me see if I can find out what those five factors are. So I'm just going to click on this. Um, It says payment history, outstanding debt, credit account history. Hold on, let me go back. I think I went a little too far. Here we go. There we go. Okay. Um, Credit account history, recent inquiries and types of credit, which is very, very similar to what we do. We look at, we also look at um, the same things, payment history, um, how much debt you have, outstanding debt, credit account history, how long have you had that particular account open with that particular company, Um, your credit usage, are you, you know, again, if you have a thousand dollars credit, have you maxed out that credit or are you using a small percentage of it, like five or ten percent, you know, uh, whether, what type of credit account it is, whether it's a home loan or a, a automobile loan um, or a credit card, if it's a hospital bill, that kind of thing. Um, if you've had any recent inquiries, has somebody been looking at your credit report? Did you apply for a new account and it showed up on your credit report? That's a big one because that will bring your score down. Um, So those are the types of things that they look at in Canada. And those are also the types of things that we look at here in the U.S. Now, again, in the U.S., 
um, our credit ranges from 300 to 850 instead of 900. Now, there is a, 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 a little bit of a difference there. It says, unless it's a specialty score like an automo- automotive or an insurance score, um, which here, you know, I found out that there is a um, an insurance score. You have an insurance and an automotive score. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know that until um, probably about a year ago. I found that out. Um, they have different scores for those. It is crazy, I know. There's a score for everything, it seems. Um, so, anyway, in the UK, uh, like the US, the UK has three major credit bureaus. They have Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. So, they use the same three that we do. And each bureau has its own credit scoring system with its own range. So all three begin at zero. Equifax goes from zero to a thousand. Experian goes from zero to 999. And TransUnion goes from zero to 710. Now, I think that's a little bit different than what we have in the U.S. In the U.S., ours start at 300. So our score of 300 is probably something like their score of zero. And then you inch along until you get up to the magic number, which is 850. Now, if you're 750 or more, that's a good place. But I don't know about you, but I would like to be at the 850 mark because then that's where you get pennies on the dollar. You know, that's where you get all the beautiful perks of, you know, knowing your credit worthiness. So I just wanted to bring some of this up because, um, you know, I've been dealing with this for, you know, a little while. And I was like, man, are does any other country have to go through this? Do, do you guys have to deal with having to have good credit scores in order to be able to get a place to live. I mean, the exception to the credit score would be if you were paying for everything with cash, which I did for a long time. And I still do. Um, I, I still do a lot of the time. If it's something major, I try to save up the money to just buy it. I don't want to put it on a credit card. I don't want to apply for a loan because I don't want to have the payments. I would rather just go ahead and purchase it outright and know that it's mine. I don't owe anything else on it. I don't have to make any payments. I don't have any finance charges. I don't have any interest charges. I don't have any of that because I paid cash for it. Now, to me, that's the best way to go. That's, that's just me. A lot of people would prefer to go ahead and, you know, finance it because to them, that's a way of building their credit. Now, there's good and there's bad to that. 
So depending on what it is, for instance, if it's a mortgage, you know, you may not have a choice but to finance it. But here's the thing. Even if it's a mortgage, if you're, let's say you're buying a home, me, I would prefer to save up as much as I possibly can to pay on that home so that, let's say that home is $100,000 and I am fortunate enough to have saved up $75,000. Well, I would probably pay like $50,000 on that mortgage. That way my mortgage is only $50,000 and I would finance the rest of it. Now, would I finance it for 30 years? Of course not. What idiot would do that? I would probably do it for maybe three to five years. That way it's over and done with. It's like financing a $30,000 car. You know, you finance a $30,000 car for three to five years and it's paid off at the end of that three to five years. Same thing with a mortgage. Why would you put yourself through that? Especially if you have the means. Now, of course, if you don't have the means, then you would look at putting a percentage down. Usually they ask for 10 to 20%. Um, put a percentage down and, you know, $30,000 or, or $20,000, whatever it is, and then finance the rest. Now, keep in mind with your financing the rest, your payments are going to be, you know, two or $3,000 a month depending on the, the amount of the home. This is, we're just talking about a $100,000 house. And these days, a $100,000 house doesn't buy you a whole lot, depending on where you are. Now, if you're here in the U.S., um, it's about an average home. It's, it's nothing special. It's um, unless you get a fixer upper or something, but it, it's about an average home maybe a two bedroom, two bath, or a three bedroom, two bath, a three bedroom, one and a half bath. And depending on the area of, of where you want to live, it could be more or less, you know. Um, it, it's not like it used to be. Uh, I remember during, um, it's been a couple of years ago, uh, we had a really bad hurricane here in um, the U.S. and it hit Florida and all the area around Florida and people just started and at that time we had a um, you know the big thing was the 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 Dow Jones had crashed so we were in a depression or a recession however you want to put it um, you know, people were losing their homes and they were putting them up for sale. And you could buy a home, little or nothing, in Florida, right? You know, right there at the beach, you could buy a home for little or nothing. $50,000 would get you a home. $60,000 would get you a really nice three-bedroom, two-bath home. Not anymore. That same home now is probably about $350,000, 450000 or more, depending on how much work they've done to it to fix it up. You know, if there were any damage to it or whatever they did, they may have done. Even if they did nothing, you're still looking at, you know, 
triple or four times the amount of what they paid for that home in the beginning. So things like that have a deep effect on your credit and and how you're able to obtain these things. So of course, the better the credit, the easier it is for you to obtain these things. Uh, again, unless you're paying cash, if you're if you're one of the lucky people who has that kind of money laying around that you can just go pay cash for it, that's great. You know, I've I, I don't know about you, but I've had to save for everything. You know, I I bought my car and I paid cash for it. And I was so proud of myself that I was able to save up enough that I could just go buy it off the lot like that. Not everybody can do that. But you have to be disciplined enough to be able to do it. Now, the car that I had before, I financed. And I paid it until I paid it off. And then, of course, once I paid it off, it... it <laughs> the transmission went out. <laughs> so I ended up, you know, trading. I was I was trying to trade it in. I couldn't even trade it in. I just sold the car. I was like, here, you guys, take the car. Just take it. I can't do anything with this. So I just got rid of it because I couldn't do anything with it. Um, and so I wanted to be able to... To... I don't know, get something from it, and I couldn't. So, you know, I ended up buying a new car and paying cash for it because number one, I did not want to go back through making payments on a car. And now, here's what I found out. Nowadays, if you finance a car, they will put this device on your car that will stop your car. If you, For instance, if you're late on a payment and you don't call them to make arrangements, they've got this device that they can push a button and your car won't move. Your car won't start. You could be driving your car and they push that button and it will just stop. Now, whether or not that's legal, I don't know. I... I I haven't gone into that. <laughs> I'm just telling you of what they do here in the U.S. They have that capability to just stop your car so you can't drive it. So that's why I'm like, I want to pay cash for those types of items. Even for a home. If, if Lord willing... And, and bless us to where we're still looking. We're looking for a home or some land or something. But if the Lord blesses us that we're able to do that, I would love, love, love to be able to just pay cash for it and be done. I don't want to finance anything. Not if I don't have to, you know? So the, that's just my thought about credit. Um, again, reach out to me. Let me know. Are there... Are there different um, credit reporting agencies in your country? Do you have different credit reporting methods? Um, How does that work where you are? And what do you do about it? How do you manage that? 
reach out. Let me know. I'd be curious to find out. So, um, again, I appreciate your listening to QD's Talk Time. I hope this has been of value for you. Uh, I do plan on having uh, a gentleman come in and and um, be on the talk show with me so that we can share with you um, maybe some ideas about um, how you can increase your credit and show your credit worthiness. Um, unfortunately, in this day and time, it's getting to a point where everything is virtual and we have to rely on our credit worthiness more and more. So you've been listening to QD's Talk Time. I wish you a most wonderful and fantastic day. Keep in mind that God loves you. I love you. And keep looking up. Thank you. Bye-bye.